Everything is theoretically impossible until it is done. Robert A. Heinlein. And I want to add a quote that I heard often over the years that to believe in the things you can see and touch is no belief at all, but to believe in the unseen is both a triumph and a blessing. That was by my mentor, Bob Proctor. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace with tools, ideas, and strategies that we can all use immediately with our brain in mind. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, specifically on the topics of health, well-being, and productivity, and launched this podcast almost four years ago to share how important an understanding of our brain is for our everyday life and results. For today's episode number 278, keeping in line with our season theme of going back to the basics to build a stronger, more resilient 2.0 version of ourselves, we're going to look back to episode 124 on how to be a neuroscience researcher in four simple steps. And I knew even before writing this one that I had to spend some time getting creative Science and research can be so boring, especially if we're just going to read through PubMed.gov and I show you some steps for us to navigate through the research for our daily use. I can't imagine getting excited about that, and that's not what I wanted this episode to be about. So of course I'm jolted out of my sleep in the early hours of a busy workday to jot down some ideas that could bring science into our daily lives in a way that we can find evidence-based or science-backed answers to inform whatever questions might be keeping you up at night, or at least crossing your mind in the day. And I hope that will make this episode a bit more memorable, interesting, and useful for you. So to do this, I went back to episode 265, where we covered improving creativity in our schools, our sports, and our modern workplaces to revisit what makes something truly creative according to science, and we use the work of Dr. Andrew Huberman. He said to show creativity, it must reveal something new to us, something entertaining, thrilling, or useful, and it changes the way we access the world, acting as portals into the world and ourselves. On this episode on creativity that I wrote just before Christmas of last year, I gave three examples of past guests who've come on the podcast who have done just that. They've shown their creativity to change the world in our schools, our sports environments, and our workplaces of the future. And you can review this episode and their examples. But for today's episode, I'm hoping I can show you how to use this research portal, PubMed.gov, to change the way you access the world and take some things that you might be wondering about and see how science can inform how you see the world, revealing something new about it, something entertaining, something thrilling or even useful. Now this is an episode worth waking up at one in the morning to write. 
Before I dive in here, I've got to go back a bit in time because I did name this podcast Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning, knowing full well that this link to science could help us to improve our results, not only in our schools, where most of my work has been spent the past three decades, but also in our corporate workplaces and sports environments. I remember in those early days planning this podcast, I was told to keep my message simple and focus on one area only. Focus on schools, I was told, as you'll be confusing your end listener. And I remember thinking, I don't want my end listener to only be working in our schools. I was hoping these ideas would appeal to a wider range of listeners around the world. And today I've got to give a shout out to all of you who tune in, because I do keep an eye on our numbers, even though I'm urged to focus on the message and what we're learning each week, but I'm human. So I wonder, is the time I'm spending here really helping others as much as it's helping me? This morning, my motivation is just a bit more than usual because we're approaching an important milestone in the podcasting world as we're just a few hundred away from our 300,000 download mark with a reach that goes into 178 countries around the world. I'm so glad that I listened to that inner voice that was urging me to keep the topics on this podcast broad to improve creativity and results beyond our classrooms and into places that my mind couldn't conceive at that time. So I want to thank you, everyone who tunes in, wherever you're listening to this podcast in the world. I always say that without listeners, there would be no podcast, and without our guests, I wouldn't have any content to wake up early and write about. So I'll keep my promise back to you that as long as we have listeners, that I'll find the time to keep producing episodes that bring the most current research into practice into our daily lives. And while my days are now dedicated to promoting the science of reading in our schools, something I've been passionate about for a very long time, we'll continue with our theme of going back to the basics this season with some new and exciting guests coming up to help strengthen our understanding of this connection between science, our productivity, and our results. So going back to episode 124 on how to become a neuroscience researcher in four simple steps, I want to explain why I thought this was important to write about in the first place. I remember back to when I was first told, you know you need to add science to your work from Jeff Kleck, who we spoke with on episode 246, launching me into a world that I didn't even think I was capable of learning and understanding. I went to school to be a teacher. I was focused on physical education in English, and then expanded into behavioral students when I first began. I was not a neuroscience researcher, but I found myself fueled by the challenge of understanding something he understood, and I didn't. If this educator with a background as a football coach could grasp this work, then why couldn't I, I thought. So that's where it all began for me and why I think it's important to share that we all start somewhere, and that's usually with a blank slate. And I think about those early days when I opened up David A. Souza's famous book, How the Brain Learns, and I almost slammed it shut. I was thinking this is way over my head as I saw those graphs about how memories are formed, and it just all seemed so complex. 
So this episode today is to show you that if I could figure this out when I had doubt in my mind in the beginning, I know that all of us can. So let's revisit the four steps I suggested in our earlier episode with some more thought and creativity behind the steps. Step one, first you want to think of your hypothesis or something you're interested in that you want to back up with the most current research. I use my presentation slide as an example with how stress impacts the brain and learning in that earlier episode in those four steps. And then I show you how to navigate through PubMed.gov on this topic, how to find a study that does in fact prove how stress impacts learning, and then how to add this study to your work or your presentation you might be doing. But in today's episode, I want to get creative to be a bit more innovative And I want to think beyond something we all know that impacts our brain and learning, like stress. What about something that science has yet to prove? And this is where my curiosity goes, and you can see it from some of the speakers that we've had over the years, that I'm interested in learning what science has to say about our dream world, specifically why we dream, and what, if anything, can we learn from our dreams? What can science teach us about our dreams? That's my creative hypothesis. So what about yours? What would you like to understand better and see if science could inform what you'd like to know? Think about what you'd like to learn. And if you need your brain jogged for a minute, I saw a recent Twitter post that self-development researcher Greg Lunt put up the other day, and it was about seven peer-reviewed research-based life hacks from Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast. You can click the link in the show notes and you can see the seven examples of these important life hacks that are all backed by science. If you actually go and click on the link and listen to each of these life hacks, see if you can listen to Stanford professor and host of the Huberman Lab podcast, who I mention often on this podcast through a different lens. Remember that we all start our journey somewhere. We never know where our interests will take us and how far each of us can go into the world. Don't let the fact that we weren't taught many of these concepts in school to put up a barrier for what we could learn using science. In some of the deep dive book studies we've done, I'm sure you'll agree with me that we've uncovered that we all have unique talents and abilities that when developed or fanned into a flame and used have the ability to take that person to heights that they might have only imagined in their dreams. Did you know that Stanford professor Dr. Andrew Huberman grew up as a skateboarder in the Bay Area and he didn't have direction or a vision for the life he's now created today? He was taken in by skater Tony Hawk's parents when he was 14 and he was given a place where he felt accepted where he felt that he belonged, and this changed the direction of his life forever. I'm sure that as we research most people who've risen to the top of their field, you'll see that they had to overcome significant adversity to arrive there. Nothing ever comes without effort. See if you can come up with something that you want to dive deeper into. And for this example, I'll use mine since I've been logging my dreams since 1999 and I can find patterns and themes and lessons that I think might be important. But what does modern day science say about this? I went over to English neuroscientist and professor at the University of California, Berkeley, Matthew Walker's research, 
that focuses on sleep. And I found a series on his podcast where he dives into our dream world. It's here where he mentions Dr. Robert Stickgold's research on memory, sleep, and dreaming. Now we go into step two of this research process. Once you've found the topic you're interested in, go to pubmed.gov and look for articles on your topic of interest. When I searched for Robert Stickgold and dreaming, his article came up and took me straight to PubMed just from using Google. Or I could go directly to PubMed.gov and type his name into the search bar with dreams and see all the articles that he's written on this topic. Try for whatever topic you'd like to find the evidence-based research for. Then step three, read through the studies with titles that interest you and see if you can uncover something that might add value to your daily life. This is where you could spend a lot of time or maybe go the other route and you just X out of PubMed completely and you think this is way too difficult. Just remember we all start somewhere. Dr. Huberman was once a skater kid and now I've never seen anyone navigate through the research like he does. Don't let it intimidate you. I mentioned this on our past episode that the parts of the research study that are important are the title that tells you the topic and the hypothesis or what the researchers want to prove. Then there's the middle part that gives you some details about the study that you can scan and don't worry about all the language. I'm sure many researchers aren't sure what it means either. Someone who's an expert in research will inform this part of the study that will help to find an accurate conclusion that you'll want to read. In Dr. Stickgold's dream study, he was looking to show how our dreams can consist of fragments of our waking life, and he explained someone's waking life experience and how it corresponded to something they dreamed about. Dr. Stickgold concludes that waking experience is reactivated in the sleeping brain. So what we think and experience in our waking life can show up in our dream life, leading to a process, he says, of consolidation by which new labile or emotionally charged memory traces are reorganized into more permanent forms of long-term storage. Dream experiences recalled from sleep, he says, bear a transparent relationship to recently encoded information and provide a useful window into consolidation-related activities of the sleeping brain. He concludes that recent work from his laboratory has established a direct relationship between the replay of recent experience in dream content and enhanced memory performance in humans. This blows my mind. I'm still learning, and I think I could study this paragraph for some time but my search for understanding with what's going on in the dream world and our waking world is getting clearer just by looking at Stickgold's research through PubMed. Well, I don't think I ever want to have someone else interpret my dreams, and they are doing this these days with templates, and researchers can now predict what someone is dreaming about with MRI scanners. But I do think that understanding how our brains dream and what we're dreaming about with themes and connections that we can all learn from in our waking hours could add significant value to our daily life, especially if we take what Dr. Stickgold's research said and look at how our dreams could possibly enhance our memory performance. 
So how do we put this research into practice in our daily life now? Well, I looked at the recent measure of my REM sleep using my WHOOP device that logged my REM sleep one day recently at 50% higher than my 30-day average. I know what I did to ensure that I had a good night's sleep that night, starting with going to sleep an hour earlier than usual, and then I logged what I recalled from my dreams that night. Now I wonder, how are these dreams useful? How did this increased REM sleep enhance my memory and the important things that I was learning that day? I had a really busy week, and this data was really useful for me to see before this busy week began. So now I wonder, can this study about my dreams that I read on PubMed.gov improve my memory or give me enhanced memory performance, like Dr. Stickgold's research concluded, or even combine it with WHOOP's data and ask, could my focus, alertness, and performance be improved with more REM sleep? This is where curious minds who want to learn can use science to inform our questions. I'll continue to follow Matthew Walker's work on the impacts of sleep on our brain while measuring sleep, and I'll continue to go to the research on PubMed to uncover new ways for improved focus, productivity, and performance. And the final step, step four, is to keep learning and reading about what you'd like to prove or understand better. I wonder, did you learn anything new from the topic that you looked up on PubMed? If you did, I'd love to know what you learned. And with that, I'll review and close out this episode where we looked at how to be a neuroscience researcher in four simple steps and take something we're curious about, connect the science to it, and then actually use it in our daily life. Step one, think of your hypothesis or something you're interested in that you'll back up with the most current research. Get creative here and think of something you're curious about, like I'm curious about the dream world. And get creative here. And remember, to show creativity, it must reveal something new to us. It's going to show you something entertaining, thrilling, or useful. And it will change the way we access the world, acting as portals into the world and ourselves. So be creative with what you're going to pick here. Step two. Go to PubMed.gov and read the article on your topic of interest. Don't be intimidated by the language that you'll see in these research articles. Just read through so you can figure out the title, what they're looking to prove, the middle part, how they plan to prove it, and the conclusion, what they learned. And step three, read through the studies with the titles that interest you and uncover something new. How does what you learn from the research help you with what you're working on in your daily life? Like my interest in the dream world, where do your interests sit? Are they with health and wellness or productivity? What are you interested in studying? And step four, keep learning and reading about what you want to prove or understand better. With time, the research is advancing light years beyond where we could imagine just a few years ago. Who knew before looking at what's new with this research that someone could measure me while I'm dreaming and now predict what I'm dreaming about? Who knew that an understanding of my dreams could help me with my memory performance? We wouldn't know this without those who conduct the research that are there for us to all read on PubMed.gov 
and I hope this episode has made being a neuroscience researcher less intimidating. If you have time to spend on the weekend or longer reading through PubMed articles to learn something, then by all means, you can now call yourself a neuroscience researcher, and I hope you've taken something you were curious about from the unseen world and brought some clarity to it into your daily life. And with that, I'll close out this episode that I hope you found to be helpful and useful in some way. I want to thank you again for tuning into our podcast and helping us to continue to grow over the years. And I'll see you next week as we look at building resilience. And we do have some fascinating interviews coming up and I'll put links to who they are in the show notes. And we'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.